Welcome to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. This podcast series is presented by the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. It's me, your host, Ashley Mingwasser, here at GPB Studios in Atlanta. Today, we duel. Wait, wait, the other duel. I mean, dual, D-U-A-L, definition consisting of two. Application, dual language immersion, or DLI. A wise man named Charlemagne once said, to have another language is to possess a second soul. At Cumming Elementary School, part of Forsyth County Schools, Katie Rogers and Jessica Manili are on a bilingual mission in their kindergarten classrooms, where students know them as Mrs. Rogers and Maestra McNeely. Katie and Jessica are counterparts in the DLI marriage, marked by side-by-side language instruction. And they're here to tell us how this ultimate tag team works. A warm welcome and bienvenidos to our guests, Katie and Jessica. Hi. Hi. How are you guys? Great. Great. Thank you. Let's trace it way back and hear your origin story, if you will. I want to hear about the planted seeds that blossomed into these two beautiful language teachers. Tell us how long you've been teaching and what brought you each to this particular profession. You first, Katie. Well, I always knew I was going to be a kindergarten teacher before I went to kindergarten. So I've loved school forever. I am originally from Chicago, um, but went to the University of Georgia and got my degree in foreign language education to teach Spanish. But I knew I wanted to teach in the elementary level. So I taught kindergarten through fifth grade Spanish um, as a specials, which supported their classroom instruction. And then ended up um, teaching kindergarten for about nine years out in West Georgia. And then when I moved back to Forsyth, moved to Cumming Elementary School and taught fifth grade while the dual language program was um, starting up, getting started. And when the kindergarten English side opened up, I said, that's what I want. That's me. Yes, exactly. That's my jam. So combining the language learning and kindergarten is is my jam. I I jam it. again, double jam. Yeah. How many years total is that? So I've taught for 18 years. 18 years, almost mm-hmm. two decades. Yes, That's I know. pretty incredible. It's, it's strange to be on the on the downhill of the mountain. No, it's, would say. no you're still rising. You're still rising. <laughs> Jessica, what about you? How many years teaching and how did you make it here today? Um, I've been an instructional assistant for one and I've been teaching for nine years. So 10 years. 10 years, yes. Um, I started, when we moved here to the USA, um, you know, I didn't know any English. From where? Um, from Mexico. Oh. So when my, my dad actually brought us here, when he, you know, finalized paperwork and things like that, I was new, and all those teachers that I had prior kind of inspired me to become a teacher. Good and bad teachers, I always say. Like of course. Like the good teachers and the bad teachers. So I wanted to grow up and, you know, help more children like me. I went to school, and I got my... Um, bachelor's. Then I got a job as an instructional assistant once I I graduated college because back then there weren't that many jobs as teachers open as there are now. There wasn't that much of a demand. So I kind of waited at the school I'm in right now for a job to open up as a teacher, but that gave me experience, kind of got my foot through the door there. And then I finally managed to get a fourth grade position. I was in fourth grade, traditional classroom for four years 
And I was approached by our principal at the time, Leanne Rice. Um, I thought I you were going to say Leanne Rimes. <laughs> I said, wow, what a profession change for her. Um, Leanne Rice um, actually approached me and said, would you like to start the DLI program? You'd be the Spanish teacher. And I have, you know, an English counterpart, which wasn't Katie at the time. It was someone else. But similar else. thing. Yes. Yeah. And I, um, you know, was ready for that change since I'd been in fourth grade for four years. I was kind of like, yes. And, you know, I knew nothing about the DLI program. I didn't even know that that was such a thing mm-hmm. in Georgia. So we kind of visited schools, immediately fell in love with the program, you know, signed me up. And I've been with the program in kindergarten for five years now. And here you are, and beacon of DLI light. DLI light. Well, I'd love to hear a few tidbits about you as people, because I always like to remind ourselves that teachers are individuals, too, and you're interesting. Jessica, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Something about myself. Um, Right now, I'm teaching my son in DLI, dual language immersion. At your school? At my school. I recently had a little girl in January, January 19th. She's seven months. Um, And I actually, um, the person I'm married to, we went to elementary school together. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so rare. Yeah. What's your little girl's name? Yuditsa Everly. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And your partner's name? Derek McNeely. And you've known each other all this time. Yep. Surely you weren't an item all no. this time. No, yeah. not even in high school or <laughs> middle school. It was just kind of like, you know, just you, you're there, I'm here. <laughs> exactly. You knew each other. You yeah, we each knew other. each other. It was it totally started after college. That is so, fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. How many times a year do you visit Mexico? We actually have a house there. So we visit oh. maybe twice, sometimes three times a year, depending on airline tickets and their price. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Big consideration these days. Yeah. Where in Mexico? Uh, Guerrero, Acapulco. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Got my attention. Yeah. Katie, how about a few fun facts about yourself? Um, well, I said earlier I'm originally from outside of Chicago, um, but I've lived in Georgia now way over. Uh, half my life. You're a Georgian. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> and let's see. I locked eyes with Tony Danza <gasps> at a Ron Clark celebration a couple years ago. I got to go and he was the keynote speaker. And so he we made eye contact. That's pretty exciting. What what was his visual registering of the eye contact? Do you think it affected him as much as it affected you? He smiled. He's, Absolutely. He knew. He said, yes. that woman is a true fan. Very happy. She and is she a teacher. She must be a DLI teacher. <laughs> yes. yes. Do you think he knows about DLI? Probably not. No. Maybe after this. Maybe. A- someone get <laughs> this still to him. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Any other fun facts? Well, I was just going to say I met my husband in business Spanish class at UGA. Business Spanish class. Yes. What What does that mean? Well, we had to learn how business is conducted in different Spanish-speaking countries. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which was interesting. basically a, a interesting Spanish class for me to take because I was education all the way. Correct. Is business conducted in Spanish-speaking countries similarly to the United States? or It is. There's just um, we had to learn about different tendencies or, or commonalities between mm-hmm. different countries, basically. Like in España, they have siesta, so you don't plan a business meeting between that 2 and 4 o'clock. That is my favorite tradition of any culture ever, <laughs> mm-hmm. is siesta, honestly. Huge it number. is. I wish we still had it in kindergarten sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, your teachers are taking a siesta right now. Can one of you define for our audience, preferably in English, what is DLI? Give us your understanding as teachers. Sure. Um, dual language immersion is... For us, our particular 
structure and program is where we have students whose first language are English and students with first language in Spanish. Um, and we each have a homeroom class of 25 students with mixed languages, English and Spanish. And the students spend about 50% of their day in English and 50% of their day in Spanish. That's how it works at your school. Why did your school implement DLI initially? Well, we have a strong Hispanic community mm-hmm, mm-hmm. incoming, and it's a very beneficial and effective ESOL teaching program, style of teaching. Good point. And so in an effort to maximize the success of our students in our school, dual language was a really positive opportunity. It was. What is that population percentage-wise of, of Spanish speakers? I would say over 60%. Mm-hmm. Over 60. More than half, mm-hmm. approaching yeah. three quarters. That's really interesting. And how does this dance work between the two of you? Talk a little bit about the characteristics of the DLI marriage in the teacher side-by-side model. You want well, to take this one, Jessica? First of all, our, our classrooms have to mirror each other. So basically, like, you know, the way we set up our tables, her tables have to be set up in a similar way, kind of mirroring what I did in your classroom, in my classroom. The kids sit in the same spots when they're with her. They sit in the same spots when they're with me. Let's say we we have our tables like red, green, um, yellow. So those children that sit in the red, green or yellow would come to my classroom and sit in the same tables, which makes it a lot easier with me having to explain it in Spanish. Ah, so. She does it in English. I do it in Spanish. But they kind of like, oh, this is what we do in Miss Rogers' class. Okay. So a lot of planning is done between her and I. Whether I want kids to understand, like, you know, como estas, I'll say, like, you know, Mrs. Rogers, this is what I'm using as, you know, teaching them that phrase. Can you use this? But, you know, replace the Spanish with English instead. So there's a lot of communication between her and I with subject and content areas, math, um, social studies, science. Because she only teaches um, social studies, reading, and morning message. And within her morning message, her morning meeting is the number talks, which is her math. And for me, it's math, science, and Spanish language arts as I well. gotcha. I mm-hmm. think I understand. And kind of sitting in the same physical space yes. uh, helps them bridge the language gap there as yes. they're learning from one to the other. Yes. That's a really smart idea. What about uh, more on the physicality of it? Are you guys in two separate classrooms physically? Yes, we are physically. So the the students, I have a homeroom. She has a homeroom. We switch in the middle of the day. Are those far apart, your homerooms? No, they're right across each other. I in get In the same it. hallway right across each other. So they mm-hmm. literally walk into Spanish and walk into English. Yes, mm-hmm. and we even have a little signs that say, you know, Espanol and English. Isn't that it. just the spatial representation of fluidity, what mm-hmm. you guys have just done right there mm-hmm. in terms of the language instruction you're doing? Tell me about the benefits of the dual language immersion program. Well, we think there are many, (laughs) many benefits. Um, But being able to strengthen and and support our Spanish speakers and learning Spanish as their first language, as well as opening the doors for our English speakers to be learning a second language. Both, Both groups are learning a second language. So the learning of one language can facilitate the learning of the second language, um, which studies have shown that it um, increases language ability to learn a second language. It's a leg up. That's interesting. Right. And then, you know, with, with the 
the end goal in mind that we have bilingual, bicultural, biliterate um, people, teens um, graduating from high school and then going on into college being um, bilingual, bicultural, and biliterate. I like that. The triple, mm-hmm. the triple by method. <laughs> yes. You've got bilingual, bicultural, and biliterate. And define the three of those separately. We know what bilingual means. Right. Fluent in two languages. Right. Speaking wise, biliterate would be reading and writing okay. in both languages. And then bicultural um, would be understanding and even being a part of more than one culture. Okay. So it's more than just a distant appreciation of. You actually really immerse yourself in the culture while learning the language. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jessica's nodding. Anything to add there? I would say we we kind of harvest the um the the original language for a lot of my Spanish speakers. Um they kind of lose that opportunity of speaking Spanish at school. Mm. But, you know, in a dual language program they have more of the ability to show off their both their Spanish and English speaking abilities. And for the English speakers as well that, you know, some of them come to me without a single parent or relative speaking Spanish, they as well kind of like, you know, love learning the Spanish language as well. So they kind of gain an appreciation for the Spanish language. And from your standpoint, front of the classroom, what do you think are the rewards and the challenges of educating in two different languages? So for me, rewards, I'll talk about the rewards and you can talk about the challenges. (laughs) (laughs) Rewards for me would be watching them learn, watching them use the languages, like both of them, especially for students who might come with zero English, watching them make the connections between Spanish and English and hearing, you know, their English teacher tell me like, you know, oh, he spoke a a complete phrase today. And, um, you know, that's what we want our ESOL kids to be doing is learning English. But at the same time, they're still learning how to read and write in Spanish. For my English students too, one of the biggest rewards is watching them just learn and enjoy learning a second language. Mm. I would say those are the biggest rewards. And watching the kids, like, you know, I'm the kindergarten teacher, but then their first grade teacher gets that group. So I get to kind of keep track of them as they go through K, one, two, three, four, and five. So I can always talk to their first grade teacher and ask, how are they doing? Are they speaking more Spanish, you know, or how are they doing in math or this subject area? That's always been one of the rewards that we can always check up on them, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. on the students. Follow That's, their progress. Yes. yes, follow their progress throughout. So that would be one of the biggest rewards. Those are excellent. And challenges, Katie. Challenges. Um, <laughs> well, there are a few, but I definitely think the rewards outweigh the challenges. Oh, naturally. But as Jessica was saying, the kindergartners are coming in, no matter what language they have at home, they're all learning how to be kids and mm-hmm. how to be friends and how to be students, how to listen, how to control, you know, have self-control and pay attention and and try. So the range of background experience or schooling experience or family support that we have, you know, it it goes across the board. So and that's typical of most kindergarten. You know, you have students that are coming in with a lot of knowledge and some coming in as blank slates. So figuring out how to meet all of those needs can be a bit of a challenge. And then if, for me, if it's a Spanish speaker, you know, I, I stay strictly in English and Jessica stays strictly in Spanish in her classroom. So getting the students to feel comfortable communicating um, can be a, a little tricky at the beginning. Um, so we use like different hand signals for students to express what they need for 
in my classroom and then the same ones in Jessica's room and keeping the the structures exactly the same as far as like Jessica doing the Spanish language arts and me doing English language arts. We do our, our read aloud that focuses on vocabulary and um, our shared reading and um, phonics, keeping those things in the similar format. Um, That's a challenge. Is a mm-hmm. challenge to start with, but once... Fitting it all in, too. Exactly. Because it's half a day. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, we have twice as many students and half the amount of time I with see. those kids. Um, but taking that time and, and planning together and supporting the kids learning on both sides, English and Spanish, it pays off. Like you said, the mm-hmm. the positives outweigh the logistics you have right. to consider. Yes, That's it's really just a, a little learning curve to make it happen and, you know, get those routines and structures set. Can you think of a representative story about a student who really thrived in DLI? You may have more than one. I mean, I think about a little boy, Aaron, who came Mm -hmm. in with no English and he would say, Mm -hmm. no hablo inglés, you know, at the very beginning. But then I'd watch him and he'd soak it in. You know, he was paying attention. I just remember when he stood up during shared reading and said, I can read it. I can read it. <laughs> and he pointed to each word and tracked it and read it. And he was so excited. What and confidence. And a ki- these are kindergartners. Right. They're young. Mm-hmm. Do They're you have young. a story, Jessica? I have a student who, um, you know, a girl, she's in fourth grade right now. And um, I could just tell she was super enthusiastic about Spanish. And she still visits me. Um, in ki- down in kindergarten from her fourth grade classroom, from her fourth grade life, you know, and she'll come down and she's speaking to me in full phrases in Spanish. And, you know, sometimes I'll catch up with her teachers and they're like, she's doing wonderful. So, I bet that is so affirming for you yes, guys to yes. see. They laid that foundation in, in your classrooms. Why should schools look into DLI as a model? I think it's great for um, developing, like Katie was saying, um, cultural awareness Mm -hmm. as well, you know, language awareness as well. And for students who want to learn a second language or want to continue to harvest their their first language, I think it's great for ESOL students. Um, There are some schools, you know, our school's Spanish, but there are some schools that do their DLI program based on what the community speaks most of. Um, I've heard um, schools in Gwinnett who do a Korean dual language program oh, wow. or French dual language program. So I'm only familiar with the Spanish because I teach it, but I know there's other um, schools who will kind of do a DLI program based on the majority of their ESOL population. Right. So and I think it's a great way for schools to kind of like, you know, implement an ESOL program that is effective. It's shown to be effective. And early. Right. Students don't know it yet because when they get to be our age, they're going to wish they had that. We were just talking about that before we started. Can you imagine if this was our foundation? Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The earlier you start a language acquisition and learning a different language, the better off you'll be. Mm -hmm. I wish I had started And we do have some students that, for example, this year we have some students who are learning a third language. We've got some students who their first language is Russian, their first language is Portuguese, their second language is English, Mm -hmm. because maybe they attended an English pre-K. Okay. So now, like, you know, they're adding Spanish into the mix, and that would be their third language. And they're going to be trilingual. Mm -hmm. Right. That's amazing. Is there anything you wish you'd known when you first started teaching in the program? 
with the Spanish teacher, um, you know, I was all for it. And but I wish somebody had told me how much of the things, materials, activities I would be creating on my own. Because, you know, there's a plethora of English materials out there, but not so much Spanish or at least like, you know, to make it for my classroom. Maybe I'll find something, but I'm like, mm, this doesn't really fit my classroom, so I'll have to make it on my own. You know, I don't really have a team that I can say, hey, do you have this activity for this? You know, I kind of have to create it on my own. You have to own. produce those lessons, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What about for you, Katie? What do you wish you'd known? Um, well, I guess I would, thinking back, I wish I n- knew how big of a challenge it is to have 50 students and, and 50 um, sets of parents to communicate with um, and care about. You know, it's it's a lot of kids <laughs> back and forth and, like we said, half the amount of time. So you really have to make sure you use every minute that you have with the kids and be, be very organized and very prepared, mm-hmm. and that's very important. Well, if you do optimize that time, that one minute could be their aha moment. You know, Absolutely. so much can happen in a minute mm-hmm. or a new word is, is mastered. Right. And for any detractors of this who might say, as adults, again, we're just projecting onto the young learners, but isn't it kind of hard to learn a new language? And isn't that a burden for the child or another obstacle for them? What do you say to that kind of myth of, you know, you're saying starting early is really the best thing, but um, do the kids seem enlivened by it or do they, how do they react? I mean, kids are resilient. You know, I think they may have a little, some kids may have a little apprehension or or nervousness, but I think once they figure out that all, everyone's learning in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. you know, and and the teacher makes mistakes too. So what can we do? We fix it and keep trying. I think it builds their confidence. Yes. um, To be able to take risks. and, And we try and use strategies that really help with them feeling confident and assured, um, Part of keeping the routine the same on both sides is so that they Uh, have a context to put the new vocabulary or the new sentence stem or the new language structure that we're teaching them. Structure never fails them. So really the only obstacle you might see if there is any reticence is just their own self-consciousness, you know, as kids. And you help them over that by teaching them having these systems in place that make them more confident. Mm-hmm. It's actually funny that Katie's talking about that because when I first started DLI, I thought they were they would be crying more because I'm speaking Spanish. You know, I was yeah. inexperienced and I didn't know what to expect. But I would ask my partner, I'd be like, can you ask him, like, is it because I'm speaking Spanish? You know, is it is that why they're crying? And then, you know, she'd come back to me and be like, no, they miss their mommy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, it's not because I'm speaking It has nothing to do with DLI. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but I would say that some their DLI isn't for everyone. You know, there are, of course, there have been some students that just didn't weren't interested. Okay. They were not interested in the language piece of it, and that's when we have to, like, kind of get together with the parents and let them know our concerns for their child because that's our, our end goal is that we want each child to do good in school, whether it's in DLI or, you know, in a traditional classroom. Right. Which begs the question, is this then at your school an opt-in sort of program? It's uh, based on a lottery. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But you do have to, like, kind of sign a contract saying, like, you know, you will be committed to the program if you're interested in the program. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see. And then if it needs to be reevaluated, you talk to the parents and you make a decision about what's best for each student. Yes. Right. And parents do because we do want students to be invested and committed to the program. So parents do have to read our commitments and sign off on them. The end being the students participating all the way middle school and high school. 
Yes, that is the vision. How about some DLI 101? What are some tips that you would like to share with our educators listening, whether DLI is a formal program at their school or not? I think one of the strategies we use all day, every day, would be PSYOP. It's Sheltered Instruction Observation Protocol. The words don't really make sense to what it is. It's basically sheltered, meaning it's very specific um, to the content, like specific content vocabulary. Instruction, meaning you're teaching the words and the word language, the meaning of the word. And then observation protocol is basically doing a motion to go along with the word physicality, um, motions, hand motions, and TPR, um, total physical response, which with new vocabulary words, we always use emotion and we always attach it with a a graphic or a visual to help them retain the vocabulary. Can you give us an example? Uh, Well, it would be... Physically? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's my... Oh, our signals like using the bathroom or I need help. We have to tell the cafeteria... um, monitors every year that this means I need help. You the know, gesture with the arms crossed in front of the face means right. I need help. You might not hear them. They may not say what they need, but this is this is what they're... They know what they're communicating. Mm-hmm. Other tips? I would say something that I, you know, one of the things that I took from DLI was the importance of the I do, we do, you do, which is basically like, you know, if I'm teaching, um, let's say, addition, the teacher would model it twice. Um, then she would call on a student maybe two times, maybe even three, a different student each time to practice the same activity as the teacher using the same materials. And then the you do would be everybody else gets their turn at their tables and does the exact same thing. After so, they've seen it multiple after times. After they've seen it multiple times. And that, I mean, that that's just amazing is that you know who really needs help, I guess, support. And who who has got it, and you might need to, like, you know, give them a little bit more of a challenge. Yes. So that really does help the I do, the we do, the you do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, before before we close this out, I'd love to hear just a last bit of wisdom from each of you. What is your favorite thing about being a DLI teacher? I love being able to reach several students. Like, you know, she said we have 50, and it is a challenge, but I love having 50 students. More mm-hmm. students who are becoming bilingual, More bicultural. More students who are becoming bi- bilingual, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just like getting to know them, getting to know their little personalities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny because that's exactly what I, I was going to say. I love all the kids. The I mean, kids. We're, we're in it for the kids and to see them grow from the beginning of the year, that's a bit of a struggle to, because mm-hmm. we, you know, as teachers, you get used to students being able to do things independently or, yes. you know, They get used to it, and then the year they move on, the year ends, and then a new year begins, and it's like back at square one. Yes. But to see how much they grow from, you know, August all the way to May is, like, amazing every year. It's miraculous. To see the kindergarten classroom the first three weeks. Wow. Yeah, it it makes us be so exhausted. Yeah. And the kids, too, but towards the end of the year, it's kind of like, huh. Look at what we did. That is the satisfaction of the pilgrimage, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, DLI is definitely the future, and for good reason. Dual language immersion gives students a wider, deeper perspective of the world. It's the beauty and the meaning of life doubled with exposure to and mastery of a second language. So thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Katie, for being here today. Any final words? 
Thank you for having us. Have a great school year, everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Thank you for joining us for another intriguing episode, everyone. As you go, make bilingual learners. And here's something that's true in every language. You're a great teacher. Talk to you next time on Classroom Conversations. Bye-bye. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant.